The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The first thing we're going to talk about, though, is this independent review into our child and adolescent mental health services, the so-called CAMS system. What this review has found is that the state cannot provide assurances that all children have access to safe services. John Farrelly is Chief Executive of the Mental Health Commission and he is with me now. John, you're welcome to the show. What stands out for you in this report? Well, I suppose what stands out is that comment by the inspector that she cannot, after a year's work looking in-depth, the most in-depth review of, of pretty much any children's services in Ireland, cannot provide assurance to all parents that um, they will, their children will have access to a safe and effective service. Um, and I suppose, Kieran, just to kind of give you a sense of this, there are 49 recommendations in this report, and they're, they're primary recommendations to regulate, to create a strategy for CAMS, and that there's oversight accounts by the Commission. And I can't understate them because we're not going to get through what the issues are here today. This is, we need a sea change in how we treat children in Ireland. And I suppose sometimes what you get in responses is sound bites, you know, things are battered away. Those three primary recommendations, they're the key to a generational shift in Ireland. So, so what, what then is the fundamental flaw with the system at the moment? Well, I suppose the fundamental flaw is that you, the variability. To give you an example, right? You can't be sure what your child is going to get depending on what part of the country you go to. So we found strength in some areas, but a lot of weaknesses in other areas. So if you look at the waiting list, so for example, staffing goes in some areas 47%, other areas 81%. In waiting times, you know, uh, it's double in some areas than other areas. The money invested in South Dublin, for example, if you're lucky enough to have a child there, uh, €125 per capita invested. But you live in Wexford and Waterford, are some places down the country, it's only 60. So, Kieran, from my view, and I was, in, I was brought in to regulate after Lee's Cross, the nursing home scandals and the charities. Now, I think we can nip this in the bud, but only if people take this seriously at the highest level of the state and the HSE. Don't try and tweak around the edges, mm. but actually rebuild a service that's fit for purpose. How, how is it there's such disparity in funding from one area to another. I mean, who ultimately decides, because, you know, on budget day, what we're presented with um, as a country are kind of national figures. Uh, who then decides that, you know, this this health area gets X amount to spend on mental health services for children and adolescents, but this area gets less? Well, well, for example, we're not, we don't run these services, but we've spent a year analysing it. So straight away, you can see that 50 million is extra to even up everywhere. Uh, is required. But you'll hear and you'll see in some of the responses, in fact, I think I saw in the response today, it's not a financial issue. But that's just wrong. Um, It is a financial issue. If you live in South Dublin and there's €127 spent Mm. per child, if you live in Wexford and Waterford and it's 50, uh, that is an issue. So I suppose it's about stepping back for me. Look, I work with all these people in the public service. I meet the politicians, I meet the people in the department, I meet the people in the HSE. I know they're dedicated to having the best thing. We've had a response from the HSC. I met them last week. But people have to put a strategy in place. You can't just piecemeal, throw money at, react to things. You have to put a proper strategy in place that actually sets out what we're going to do and what we will uh, achieve. To be honest with you, it's about having someone in charge. 
So we're talking about, you know, new regional head structures, and that's good, and integration is good. But who is in charge? At the, I'm in charge of the Mental Health Commission. I can't have my staff just kind of going around the country, and I don't know what they're doing. I have to know. I have to have metrics. I have to make sure they're delivering according to the various codes we have. What we found in the HSE was there was very, you know, there was a, there was an issue about people knowing the operating standards and sticking to them. Some of the care plans for children, which is a basic thing, thirty years ago, a care plan was a basic thing. The inspector saying that some of them mightn't be, uh, you know, they might as well not be there. So I'm not critiquing. What I'm saying is, is that, you know, we can find all the faults here. But we've given how to rebuild it. Yeah. 49 recommendations. We've given how to rebuild it. We're saying to the state at the highest levels, are you going to allow us to regulate or not? And are you going to put a strategy in place for CAMS mm. or not? We don't have control over that. That's a matter for the state and the HSC. So, John, this kind of has echoes some of what you're saying um, of conversations that were had around the time the health boards were gotten rid of. Because one of the one of the, the arguments made in favour of getting rid of them was exactly that, that, you know, you, you had different attitudes to, to different services in different parts of the country, different investment levels, different care plans yeah. put in place. And all of that would be streamlined and we would have a, a national service. It sounds like in, in some areas, and CAMS being one of those areas, we kind of still have that old health board mentality or that old health well, board system. Well, I think the structural thing is good. But let me, if you think of a broom handle, if your listeners think of a broom handle, the handle has to be strong. It's just, you know, it's a small, thin bit strong, but it sets out what's required. And then as you go down into the old brooms, it can be different in different areas. But someone must be making sure that the minimum standards are there and happening. So audits have started happening after masking and after everything, but the culture isn't there. So who is actually in charge going, this is the standard? You know, if you're buying a car, if you're buying any brand of car, you can buy it in Wexford or Dublin. It'll have the same, you know, conformance standards. Um, it's the same for every, most services. You know, if you mm. get your insurance on post, any government services, education, the conformance standards pretty good. We just need to get this into health. But, and but John, the part, of the, part of the reason the car is going to meet those standards in Wexford and in Dublin is because the person selling it is accountable to the standard setters. I mean, where's yeah. the accountability? Is, is, the, is that another question to, ask, to be asked? Well, yeah, there's definitely uh, clinical leadership. There. So, for example, a national director, the inspector found about clinical leadership. There's no doubt the areas that are well run have the strongest clinical leadership. Um, and there's no doubt about that. And that makes a difference. But there's many areas without clinical leadership, executive clinical directors. We seem to be harking back. 17 years ago, we did a strategy for mental health. And when we went into the HSE, there are still the standards used for staffing. So when you hear about 50%, that's from a 17-year-old strategy of the staffing. Mm. You know, whereas really you should expect, like if you think anyone running a business at all, you're going to do as much as possible to make sure your staff perform. ICT, budgets, risk management, access, they're all, you know, simple concepts. Uh, now, I, I genuinely believe that the recommendations here it put into place that we can turn this around. But I also believe that we need to have a sea change in our mentality about children. They have human rights. They're entitled to those rights. We signed up to this, this uh, in terms of children, the UN um, charters in 1992. Mm. We have to kind of shift our heads around that 
children are important. It's not just an added on extra that we, you know, if people have to fight really hard, we'll give it to them. So our young, we have a young nation, we have young children, how we treat them is important. So I do think, now we've had a response from the, the HSE and they've guaranteed me that by September they'll have a comprehensive plan addressing the issues. But I just want to make sure it's more than a plan. It needs to be a strategy, it needs to be integrated, it needs to talk to GPs, it needs to talk to people in the private sector, all the different supports, come up with a strategy that we can then implement. Yeah. But, I, but I have to say, as much as this sounds negative, I genuinely believe that if, if we can get that into our heads about the, the change that's needed, the rebuild, I think we can do it. Well, Dr. Brendan O'Shea is with us uh, as well, John. He's a Kildare GP and Assistant Adjunct Professor in Public Health and Primary Care of Trinity College Dublin. Um, uh, Brendan, you're welcome to the show and it's good to talk to you again. Well, what's your experience of, of the CAMS system, the GP experience? Um, it's definitely uh, not a satisfactory experience from the perspective of GPs and particularly from parents uh, and children who rely on the service. It's just not where it's where it should be. You, you asked John a really hard question. You asked him, what is the fundamental flaw? Um, healthcare is complex. Uh, there are several flaws. And unless we address them all, we're at nothing because any of them left unaddressed will block the entire system. Uh, but if we have a soundbite to discuss it in, uh, one thing that we would have to say is, is that the absence of information technology throughout a lot of areas of secondary care is a big rate limiting factor. Irish society is very IT enabled, uh, but the health system, particularly the public health system, the hospital system and psychiatry is part of that uh, a lot of the time uh, are still operating on paper. So we don't know uh, where the efficiencies are. More importantly, nobody can reliably say where the blocks are. Um, so information technology. So we, 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 the system is invisible. Uh, we're operating on data that's, that's years out of date by the time we get to see it. A second really uh, important issue that plays out in general practices all of the time, we all live in our communities. I'm in Newbridge. Mm. Uh, so in a, in a disadvantaged household, um, maybe with unemployment uh, or with various different issues going on in it, that child is going to be waiting for a year to a year and a half. Uh, two blocks away in a slightly more advantaged household, uh, there is better access to private um, uh, child and adolescent mental yeah. health services. And in a republic, this is just it this just isn't on. This this requires to be addressed. So inequality, information technology. Um, and I think I think uh, uh, then another uh, consideration uh, is the way that the HSE seem to employ and use their staff, uh, child and adolescent psychiatry and psychiatry. Both of them as services are characterized by a very high turnover level of staff. Now, maybe if you're repairing hernias, that isn't such a big deal. That's a very simple, straightforward technical task. But with an issue like mental health, for example, uh, when you have a consultant psychiatrist and you're getting to know them and they're gone, uh, this is what we see. And the same with uh, psychiatric nursing and so yeah. on and so forth. So there are question marks over the HSE in their ability to employ and retain staff. And and it's interesting you make that point about the, the difference between people who can access, can afford to access private care. We see that replicated in other areas around, you know, uh, 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 interventional therapies like speech and language therapy and physical therapy and physio as well for children with, with other physical additional needs. But what, what, Brendan, is the consequence for the child uh, or the family who can't afford that and who are waiting a year and a half? Well, I suppose the population-based research is very clear on it. Uh, unfortunately, if you're poor, 
you're going to have less good health outcomes in the longer term. That means your conditions will be slow to be diagnosed uh, and they won't be treated as promptly and sometimes not as completely uh, than if you were affluent. So uh, the people who are fortunate enough to be born into affluent households, uh, they're more likely to have their issues addressed. They're less likely to fall out of school. There will be less suffering. Uh, and at the at the other end of the life spectrum, then there's a gap of uh, seven or 10 years at the at end of life. So that's actually, it's happening all the time. It's a process. It's happening in slow motion in front of all of us. Mm. And as I've said, in general practice, we see this week in, week out. Uh, and it is one of the things that just, to some extent destroys um, our professionalism and is a cause of concern because, they, you know, arguably these are among the most vulnerable, uh, most vulnerable patients in the system. Mm. Um, so that, that these are the consequences. Now, we are a generous society. Um, we spend well above average per capita on our services, but we're getting very average or sub-average outcomes in certain areas and including this one. So one other thing I would say is, is and this upsets my psychiatry colleagues, well, most psychiatry is actually done in general practice. In general practice, we deal uh, with mild-spectrum psychiatry and moderately severe psychiatry. Yeah. We would like to see more sessional psychologists and talking therapies in practice. We would like to have a little bit more time to talk with people, to talk with an adolescent. Uh, and that kind of earlier intervention is an effective way of preventing small problems turning into more serious, intractable ones. So we're for funding okay. more for primary care services, not, not more money for doctors, uh, more money for more services mm. in the community. Well, we're going to be hearing a little bit later in the show uh, from somebody who has been through the system, uh, someone now who is in her early 20s, but has experience of, of being referred to CAMS and waiting uh, for that referral to come to something. And we're going to speak to a mother as well who, who has uh, tried to deal with all of this and all the consequent problems uh, with one of her daughters as well. Uh, in the meantime, Brendan and John, thank you for your time. John Farrelly, Chief Executive of the Mental Health Commission, and Dr. Brendan O'Shea, who is a GP in Newbridge and County Kildare. Dex says, Hi, Kieran. If you were the board or an owner of a company making widgets and the top and middle management were performing like this, you would fire them. We have to stop saying that everyone in the HSE is hardworking and committed. That's from Deck Barry says, refreshing to hear John Farrelly talk about metrics and KPIs. We dissolved the health boards to create synergies, yet we maintained all the old structures. We spend in the top five per person on healthcare, yet it is so disjointed. It is not just CAMS, it is across the board. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.